Hi, my name is Josh Caldwell, and this is Atypical Daydream, a podcast about life on the road. I got the name from a Grateful Dead lyric from the song Truckin'. Chicago, New York, Detroit, it's all the same street. Your typical city involved in a typical daydream. But I like the idea of an atypical daydream. If you're stuck in an office, then you dream about getting out and freedom. But if you're stuck in a van or a bus, then your daydreams are going to be about, I don't know, something else. This is what I'm here to find out. I want to know what it means to be a modern nomad. I'm here to share these tales of people twisted, surprised, changed, shook, and delighted from their time on the road. Rich experiences and tiny sweet vignettes. I think these stories reveal the everyday magic we all long to feel. Welcome to Atypical Daydream. I'm Josh, your host, and this is actually my first episode, which is awesome. It's been a long time coming, like two years in the making. My first guest is Josiah Mizachi. He's a musician, writer, producer. His bands include Light FM, Bizu, and his most recent project, Child Seat. Josiah has been in this game for a while, and he reminds us that touring is not an easy path to travel. And sometimes others' misfortunes might get you the money you need for your next meal or a place to sleep. Yeah, I've been in bands for a while. And then I had a band in Chicago uh, called Motorhome in the in the 90s. Kind of like a noisy shoegaze band. You know, our biggest influences were like My Blade Valentine and Swerve Driver and Lush. But we kind of got lumped into that whole Chicago signing spree. I had a friend who got a $2 million record deal, <laughs> uh, which is like unheard of like these days. Like we actually got offered a, a major label deal through Warner Brothers and we ended up turning that down because it was kind of like a DIY indie rock, like do it yourself, you know, like fuck your corporate music, you know. <laughs> But but looking back now, I was like, man, I wish I grabbed that like whatever like fifty thousand dollar like advance, you know. <laughs> but it it was kind of like sign your life away kind of deals that bands were getting, and and a lot of those bands were getting signed, but they were like a tax write off for the record companies, and their record would never come out. They'd basically like be in debt forever, you know, to these large corporations, you know. You know, I went to the School of the Art Institute in Chicago. I would make, you know, cassette demos. Um, just like, that's how I got into recording, really, was like, was just like on the four-track set, you know. I used to make demos. Our drummer at the time, she went to high school with James Eha from the Smashing Pumpkins. We we actually went into the studio with, with Billy Corgan to produce our first single. And I don't know, like, I used to go over to Billy Corgan's house and, like, play him some of my demos and he'd show me like his gold records, <laughs> you know, like, 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 I, I don't know. It seemed like pretty surreal to him, the success that the Smashing Pumpkins were having. I think it was right when um, their second record, Siamese Dream, just came out. Because of that, we were able to get like a booking agent. This one booking agent, he booked like Megadeth 
like some pretty big bands, you know, and and um, he basically told us that like, hey, hey, you know, you guys should probably quit your jobs, you know, like our record label bought us a van. And like, yeah, you're just going to go on tour for forever, <laughs> you know? And I was like way into the idea, you know, like um, I was ready to go because I was, I was working at Whole Foods at the time. So we, we were like scheduled to do like a four week tour. That was like our first U.S. tour. One of the very first shows of the tour was opening up for Alanis Morissette which we were a very odd match for Alanis Morissette just because we were more of a noise band. We thought it was really strange, but it turns out the the booking agent just wanted to see us for his own enjoyment and and didn't really care if it was like a weird fit. (laughs) (laughs) So when we we hit the road, like we, we made all this merch and we weren't very well off. You know, we didn't have like credit cards. I don't think we even had cell phones then. And we didn't usually know where we were going to sleep. We we didn't even know if we'd have enough gas to get from one gig to another, you know. Our show was in Cincinnati, Ohio. We, we had driven from Chicago to Cincinnati to play the show. It was a place called Bogart's. And um, it was completely sold out. You know, Alanis Morissette just put out... Uh, Jagged Little Pill, which was like her hit record. I knew uh, a couple of the dudes in her band. I think, uh, was it Taylor Hawkins? I think he was playing drums for for the And that guy was really cool. He was really friendly, but the the rest of the band was not. Because <laughs> like I, I, I was a guitar player, I remember. I actually just re-met him recently, but he was like, you see these cables like on the stage, you know, he had all his like guitar cables taped down to the stage. He's like, you see this, this line, like, don't fucking step on that to me. Like he didn't even say like, Hey, how's it going? Like, like nice to meet you. It was just like, that's how I was introduced to you. Like, don't fucking step on this cable. (laughs) So I was like crazy nervous opening the show. It was the most people I've ever played to maybe like four or 5,000 people. I just remember like my whole body was shaking and like you could hear the shaking in my voice when I was singing because it was like doing this weird waver. I couldn't see the audience because the lights were so bright. You know, I couldn't see anything. But I was just like, man, I can't wait to get off this stage (laughs) because it's so uncomfortable and weird. Like, the audience was really cool. People were, like, clapping. We got off stage, and then, like, all these kids were, like, fanboying us. I don't know. Like, I didn't really know how to respond to that. They all wanted to buy our shit. We were, like, ecstatic. Because I don't think we were guaranteed much money to play that show. It was like, you you get to open this, like, sold-out show and get the exposure. Maybe 50 bucks to to open the show, you know? 50 or or $100, something like that. Anyways, these kids were, they bought all our merch like all of it and we're like holy shit like 
why do they buy our stuff? <laughs> they must really like us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're like, yeah, oh yes, we're gonna like, we got gas money, we got a place to stay. But it turned out the reason why the kids were all buying our shirts, it was like a white t-shirt. And on the front, it said Motorhome, which was our band. And on the back, it had a planet with a palm tree on the back. And it said, Aloha from Uranus. <laughs> our, our album was called Sex Vehicle. So it said Motorhome, Sex Vehicle, Aloha from Uranus. <laughs> and we just sold like every single T-shirt. So, so this one kid like w- came up to me and he's like, oh man, can I get my money back? And I was like, are you serious, man? We, we just like, you know, we just made money to like stay at a hotel. And, um, he's like, well, I'm sorry. Cause like, I thought this was Alanis's t-shirt. I thought it said Aloha from Alanis. <laughs> so, so like, and then all these kids wanted their money back. You know, we just made money to like stay, stay, stay at a hotel, and um, we we didn't give it back to him. We were like, no, sorry, you know, no, no exchanges. Our next story comes from another singer, songwriter, and band leader, Leslie Sisson. Her current project is called Moving Panoramas. She's also played in Wooden Birds, Matt Pompier, Western Keys, and Black Lipstick. I love this father-daughter story, but it wasn't Leslie's first choice. She'd already told me some great ones. But when I asked about a guitar sitting behind her, she mentioned having one more story. And I'm really glad she did. He's a great dad. He's my best friend. And he's always been very supportive, but always been the voice of reason because he was a working musician for a long time. And he actually didn't really, when he found out I was starting to play in bands as a teenager, he was like, oh, are you sure? Don't do it. And and he even like shooed a a punk rock band off my lawn once. He was like, she's not going to be in your band. Bye, guys. He's like, they just want to get in your pants, darling. And I'm like, well... Okay, but he was right. But it was also, I wanted to be a rocker and I did it behind his back for a while, like behind his back. He thought I was out drinking and partying and I was at like a community college doing a demo tape. (laughs) And he followed me one night. But once he heard me, he was like, you got the voice of an angel, darling. So you want one more story, but it's not my tour story. It's this guitar's tour story. It is a 1950s Gibson country Western. It was my dad's. He said, do you know that I have a guitar that belongs to a very famous country musician? Well, I guess it was in the 80s, like the mid-80s or so. I was a little kid. And um, he used to own a used car lot. And it's just this really modest used car lot on the corner in Irving, Texas. And it was next to this repair shop. And they repaired big rigs and buses. And my dad has been a musician all his life. One day, he gets a phone call from a tour manager found out about him through like a circle of music friends and then realized that he was right next door and from the bus. So he was like, hey, his name's Weldon Sisson. Everybody calls him Bud. He's like, hey, Bud, our bus broke down on tour and it just happens to be next door to your shop. The entire band and crew flew on to the next show. And this is in the 80s, by the way. 
there's no like Venmo, <laughs> you know, there's no way unless you Western Union something. But, and he's like, our bus driver stayed behind to get it to the shop, but we need to get him to the next city because we're just renting another bus. And we were wondering if we could borrow 500 bucks cash from you and we could give you a guitar from the bus to hold as collateral. And my dad was like, sure. And so the bus driver comes over, gives him this guitar. <laughs> and my dad gives him 500 bucks. So my dad gets a phone call like years later and he's just kept it in a case in his closet, just safe and sound. And it's the same tour manager. And he's like, hey, bud, you still got that country Western? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And he goes, you, you, you guys finally want it back? Well, actually, uh, we wanted to thank you for your, your help. And uh, we wanted to put you on a cruise because the musician that it belonged to was on a cruise performing. Just wonder if you might want to come on the cruise with us and, uh, you know, hang out. And my dad was like, sure. Uh, should I bring the guitar? And he was like, nah, you can keep it. Don't worry about it. So, okay. So my dad goes on the cruise and meets this famous country Western star, tells him about the guitar. And he's like, yep, that's my country Western. I've written a lot of songs on that. That's just the bus guitar. It doesn't have a pickup in it or anything. So he's just like, he's like, you take good care of that. He goes, I hope you name it Conway. So this was Conway Twitty's guitar. Isn't that crazy? And my dad, he just didn't do it. He just put it, he kept it. Eventually he had a, like a safe room where it was in. These strings are so dull on it. It's probably, it even still smells kind of like cigarettes. These probably have Conway sweat and cigarettes on them still. So anyway, so this is Conway. This is my friend. It's not my tour, but it's a, it's a tour story that has affected me magically. Well, that's it. I want to thank Josiah and Leslie for sharing their experiences. Josiah's current bands, Child Seat and Bizu, are playing and touring this fall, so go check them out. He also has a recording studio in Los Angeles called The Cave. You should also check out Leslie's current band, Moving Panoramas. They are a fantastic Austin bootgaze band. This podcast was created and produced by me, Josh Caldwell. Music by Visual Aid, general support, and copy editing by Miranda Caldwell. If you like the show, don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back next week. Bye.